We're in a series called Hashtag Relationship Goals, and there is somewhere around 11 million hashtag relationship goals on Instagram and on Facebook. And, and most of those, when you look at those, are, are a couple in an unusual pose together that they tried like 17 pictures until they got just the right shot, and then they put it up on Instagram or on Facebook, and, and it took, it, it's not, it's not real. What we want to talk about in this series about relationship goals is nobody ever starts out their marriage or their relationship saying, I want to have a really bad relationship. No, no, nobody ever says, I want to buy all sorts of things that we can't afford so that in a few years, all we're going to talk about, all we're going to fight about is money. Nobody ever sets out to say, I want to be a raging porn addict with uncontrollable lusts and no real intimacy in my marriage. No, nobody ever starts out saying, I've got a goal. My goal is to tell some small lies that will develop into some medium-sized lies that will soon turn into gigantic lies. I want to live a lie so that the person to whom I vowed my life to live together with forever will be crushed. Nobody ever says, I want to be so busy that I will neglect my spouse. Maybe it's with our own children. Maybe it's my career or the house or a hobby that I have. But I, I get so involved with other things that someday when the children leave the home, and one day they will, that someday when the children leave the home, we're going to look at each other and say, why are we even still married I don't really know you. We're more like roommates than we are a married couple. Nobody sets out to do that. And yet couples end up there all the time. Hmm. We have relationship goals. And relationship goals are important to have. Because if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it every time. And so in this series, we're talking about four relationship goals that will lead you to a better place. If you want something different, you know you have to do something different. So we're offering you four relationship goals that I believe will help you build a foundation to all good relationships that you have, but especially the good relationship that God wants you to have in marriage. And so week number one, we talked about we want to be Christ-centered. We've got to be Christ-centered. That's the foundation of it all. And week number two, didn't Pastor Trinity do a great job last week? Amen. She, ham she has hit a home run talking about we want to be mission driven. We must be on the same page. A couple cannot be going in two different directions. They've got to be moving in the same direction. So we want to be Christ-centered, mission-driven. Today we're talking about devil kicking. In your relationship, to your marriage together, you want to be devil kicking. You want to go on the offense against the enemy of your soul. We're going to do that today. And then next week, we want to make sure our fourth relationship goal is we want to be covenant-keeping covenant keeping. Keep that covenant, that vow that you made one to another. Keep it sacred. Keep it holy. So what are we going to be? I'd like everybody, listen, last week I watched online with our online gathering, uh, and I'm so happy to do that. I learned a lot. What I did learn was I think it's even better at home when they can hear you. So you're going to minister today with me for just a moment. When I point to either a Christ-centered or mission-driven or devil-kicking or covenant-keeping, I just gave you the answers. 
when I point to those, I want you to say it loud enough that they can hear you through the microphone at, some of y'all will say, what did he say? I'll say it one more time. When I say we're Christ-centered, mission-driven, devil-kicking, or covenant-keeping, are you ready? We are Christ-centered. We are mission-driven. We are devil-kicking, and we are covenant-keeping. Today, we're talking about being devil-kicking in our relationships and in our marriages, where we stand against the schemes of the evil one. I want to remind you, you have a spiritual enemy who hates God and hates everything that matters to God. And that includes your marriage. That includes you. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 11, we read, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's what? Schemes. So you can take your stand, a stand against the devil's schemes. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and look up instead of looking at you. I want you to bring your Bible when you come to church. Somebody say yes. I want you to bring your Bible when you come to church. I used to be a school teacher a long, long time ago. When, I mean, when I had lots of hair. I used to be a school teacher. And when I was a school teacher, I'm still looking up. It's kind of awkward, isn't it? Because I don't want to make eye contact with anybody and make you feel terribly guilty. I can do that, but I'm not going to. Uh, it, they would actually get marks against them if they didn't bring their textbook to class. And I want to tell you what happened to that. Now, if you're opening your device and that is your Bible, praise the Lord. Make sure that's your, but make sure you're looking at your Bible. Somebody say yes. yes. All right, now I'm going to look back at you again. Bring your Bible to church. I'm not coming against you. I'm, I'm, I'm standing with you because it's important that you get in. I was just telling my daughter this morning that I've got to get my Bible rebound because it's coming apart, but I don't want to separate with it. Uh, for a few weeks while they rebind it. And I certainly don't want to get a new one because my notes and all my memories and different things, you know what I'm talking about. Work that Bible, baby, right? That's, it's, a, it's not only for you, but I believe that one day will be for your children and for your children's children. And it will be a legacy that will be passed down and people will see your thoughts and your heart and your, huh, what God was doing and speaking to you. So use, use your Bible. Use your Bible. Paul goes on to say, now listen, first of all, I want you to understand the father, can you imagine the father of lies, the prince of darkness, he's scheming against you. He is looking, evaluating, analyzing your life, trying to find areas that you are weak, looking for areas in your life where you are vulnerable, studying your marriage, your relationships, He's trying to devour, trying to kill, trying to destroy you. Then Paul says in verse number 12, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against our husband. Our struggle is not against our wife, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let me remind you what we said on week number one, and we'll keep on saying it. Your spouse is not your enemy. Amen. You don't know my spouse. <laughs> your spouse is not your 
enemy. We're fighting against the evil rulers. And when I say that, I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans. Don't misunderstand. We're talking about the spiritual forces in this dark world that are out there. What do we know? We know that whatever God blesses, the devil curses. And whatever God loves, the devil attacks. That's what we know. I'm going to say it again. Whatever God blesses, the devil curses. And whatever God loves, the devil attacks. If you ever find yourself struggling, and some of you are right now, some of you are right now in your marriage or in your relationships, and you're frustrated, or you're angry, or you're afraid, or you're resentful, or you're hurting, or you're losing trust, remember, your spouse is not your enemy. You're fighting against spiritual forces that are scheming, that are plotting to hurt you, to destroy your family lineage, your testimony. He's working really hard, but greater is he who is in us than he who is in this whole world. We are called by God. Our relationship goal is together in unity, mission-driven to be devil-kicking. That's our call. I remember when I, a long time ago, many, many years ago, when I was a junior high school teacher, I broke up a fight one time in the hallway and uh, the kid started swinging at me, so big mistake, right? So I, I took the kid and I took him down to the office and I threw him in the chair and um, he got written up and he got suspended. Well, when he came back to class, I don't know, a week or so later, um, he looked at me as he was walking out of class that day and he went like this. Oh. Yeah, well, that, that really bothered me. How many of you would that bother you? in the culture in which we live. This was at the time of Columbine and all those different things. And, and so the first thing I did was I went and talked to the principal and he immediately told me to contact my wife. So I called my wife to let her know what was going on. Another time, we were pastoring a church, a small church in the Midwest and um, I, was, I had to bring some church discipline to a gentleman in the church. So I went and talked to him and, and you know, brought the discipline, and it always needs to be done in love. Remember, the point of confrontation is a win-win, not a win-lose. And so we're trying to win-win with the guy, and at the very end of it, I wanted to make sure he was okay. And he said to me, he said, it's not like I'm going to grab your kids and cut off their heads. If I'm lying, I'm dying. So we, we all have things that happen in our lives. I, by the way, I took both of those as a personal threat to my family. What would you do if you knew that tonight somebody was going to break into your home, not to steal something, but to hurt you, to hurt your family, to hurt your spouse, to hurt, to hurt your children? You'd be making a call on a Sunday. It wouldn't matter to you. You'd be installing the best of security systems that you could install. You'd be putting up motion detector lights. You'd get a dog that bites. That's what you would do, right? Just a, you'd get a dog that bites. You're going to tell your neighbors. You're going to be on guard. You're going you're to tell your kids in, the, in an age-appropriate way that they need to stay close and they need to be, keep their eyes and ears open. You're going you're gonna to be praying. You're going to get a weapon. I don't know, something that shoots, something that stabs, something that swings. You're going to find a weapon somewhere, right? And you're going to be already when somebody comes into your house to hurt those that you love. You're going to be on your guard. In fact, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter told us to stay alert, to watch be prepared. Look out for the devil. Why? Because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for a marriage to devour, 
looking for somebody to devour. Listen, the devil never announces his intentions to attack. He never says, warning, I'm coming right now to destroy your life. Or I'll be arriving when you get off work and you're really tired and the children have just disobeyed. I'm coming in at that point to destroy your relationship and your marriage. He is the father of lies. And I want to teach you this morning how he attacks us in one of two different ways. The devil will attack you with either distractions or seductions. Distractions or seductions. And so let's unpack that for just a moment today. Let's talk about what distractions. Eve, when she was in the Garden of Eden, Pastor Trinity referred to this a little bit last Sunday, when she was in the Garden of Eden, getting ready to pick a piece of fruit for dinner. I mean, it's dinner time. She found just the perfect piece of fruit hanging from a tree. She's, I just visualize this. She's reaching out to grab the, oh, a little bit of drool coming down. She's hungry and she's gonna be perfect. And the devil kind of comes in and distracts her in the form of a talking serpent, which is freaky enough, But he comes in and he says to her, he says, listen, do you really want that piece of fruit? Distraction. She was going to be just fine. And Solomon, um, who loved God, was distracted by trying to please other people instead of pleasing the heart of God. Judas was distracted by the bright, shiny things, wasn't he? He was walking with Jesus. He was one of the 12. And then ding-a-ling-a-ling, ching-a-ling-a-ling, there's a little bit of change, a little bit of money. And that distracted him from his divine purpose and the plan and the love of the Savior. Satan distracted him. He will, he will attack you with distractions. In fact, there is a powerful little verse in the book, in the, in the, in the, the book of Song of Songs, or also known as the Song of Solomon. We don't refer to the book very much in the church, uh, but in this book, Solomon was pursuing the one that he loved, his, his wife, his bride. He's pursuing her and, and he's complimenting her and he's using all of this wonderful language that makes sense in their culture, but doesn't make sense in ours. For example, he says, your hair is like a flock of goats. I know, you're, being, you're getting wooed on the inside right now, aren't you? And he says, he says, your neck, baby, your neck is like the tower of, of David. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Is that it's kind of freakishly out of, out of, anyway. But then his tone changes and he says something super, super serious in Song of Songs, chapter two, verse number 15. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. He's talking about the little foxes that come in. And what do the foxes do? Well, I'm glad you asked. They would go in and they would devour the blossoms. The blossoms would need to fall so that the the grapes could be produced. But they would go in and they would eat the the blossoms off of the vines, the, the grape vines. And the harvest would be completely ruined. And he's saying, he said, listen, you got to look out for the little foxes, the little foxes, not the big foxes, the little foxes. They seem insignificant. They seem harmless. They they barely even notice. Nobody really talks about the little foxes. But if they're left and they go unchecked, they will destroy the entire harvest. What does the enemy do? He tries to distract you with little foxes in your marriages. Not the big things, 
We can handle the big things. Um, we're kind of mentally prepared for big things should they come our direction, tragedy and struggle. And, but, but when it comes to the little foxes, those little things, something that somebody else might not even notice, but you do, man, they can destroy us. For example, maybe the devil tries to distract you with the little fox in your marriage of comparison. And you, you begin to compare. You know, your, your husband isn't romantic like, like that guy. Hey, he doesn't take you out anywhere. There's no real intimate connection. But, oh, that, that guy at work. Man, you want to have a deep, meaningful conversation. You, you want to connect with somebody in a meaningful way? You just got to have a conversation with him. The little foxes. Maybe it's the little things. I mean, the really little ridiculous things that we fight about in our marriages. I mean, the, the, uh, they're seemingly insignificant, but maybe it's, maybe it's the way you drive. I'm just going to throw that one out there because that's like everybody understands it. Maybe it's the way you walk, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's the, way, the way you chew. You ever thought about that before? Like you're chewing too loudly, right? Can you, can you control the saliva content within your mouth as you're chewing because it's, we need to, you know, maybe it's the way that you chew. Maybe it's the little things like fights over money. You, you got no plan, no vision, no direction. You're always fighting about money. Maybe it's a little fox, like it's one of you is controlling. One of you is really, really critical. Or one of you is nitpicking. The bottom line is this. The, the devil knows where you're vulnerable. And what he will do is he will attack those triggers. And he'll trigger your anger and your fear and your insecurity. And here's what he'll tell you with this distraction plan he has. He'll say, you're not compatible. He'll try to convince you that you made a mistake. This marriage or this relationship that you're in, it obviously is not God's will for you. Those are, that's, those are phrases, those are thoughts that he embeds in your mind. What's he doing? He's attacking you with a little distraction, trying to keep you off track and bring division so that you will not be Christ-centered and you will get so far away from your mission that you have no effectiveness in your marriage. These distractions, these little things, these little foxes, that's what the devil attacks us with. But he also attacks us with seductions, mm -hmm. Amen. sexual temptation that will take you away from God's plan. I read an article this week that said 60% of divorces cite that pornography is a contributing factor to their divorce. Perhaps that's one reason why we read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 3. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Somebody say with me, not a hint. Not a hint. I want you to say it like you mean it. Not a hint. Not a hint. Not a hint. Among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual impurity. What we don't want to do is we don't want to open up the door to darkness in our marriages. Guys, we're going there today. Because if we're going to be devil kicking, we've got to bring it out of the darkness and bring it into the light. No, no more porn on your phone. Not, no inappropriate Netflix original content in your home any longer. 
not a hint. No, no posting immodest photos of yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Well, what's the purpose? I want my husband to think that I'm beautiful. Then take a picture of yourself and give it to him. No, no more borderline inappropriate conversations with somebody of the opposite sex that you know you should not be having. Amen. Not a hint. Amen. Not a hint. It's what the Bible says. And God is not against you. God is for you. Amen. Not a hint. Not a hint. Hmm. I'm not going to keep the door cracked open. Yeah, the door is closed. It's not really closed. It's not latched. It's not locked. It's, it's cracked open but, because it's, you know, it's, it's a little quieter that way if I ever do want to open up. It's, I can go back that direction if I want to. Not a hint. We're not going to tolerate any type of darkness. No, no impurity whatsoever in our marriage. Somebody say yes. yes. Not a hint. Why is it that, that we, have this, we have this line I mean, there's, there's a line. We all know there's a line. And we all know, here's, here you go, this is my art skills. Uh, I practice on this for quite a while, so you just got to bear with me because I really want this to be cool. And, and uh, oh, yeah, you're going, I know. That is amazing, Troy. Did you went to college for this? Yeah, sure. Okay, so. Hmm. 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 Oh, yeah, that's really good. There, isn't that awesome? Yeah, you know what that is, right? Sure. Why is it? Actually, you get further away, it looks worse. That's, uh, why is it? Impurity is toxic. Impurity is poison. Impurity will kill you. It doesn't matter if you get a little bit of cyanide or you get a lot of cyanide. You're going to die. You drink a little bit of antifreeze or a lot of antifreeze. It's, you, you know, it's going to have a bad effect on your life. Why, why, is it, why is it that when we serve Jesus, we know we're supposed to stay over here? Amen. There is a line. There is a line. And, and unfortunately, in this postmodern culture that we live in today, I study the church. I spend a lot of time studying the church. In this culture that we live in today, we're encouraged not to use the word sin, certainly not to define it in black and white terms. There is a line for every single sin. You look at me. There is a line. Don't mess with the line. You don't control where that line is. That line is up to God. But here's what you do control, how close you get to the line. Now, why is it we're constantly moving closer and closer to the line? We're like, well, if the line is there, then surely I'm okay right here, Troy. I mean, technically speaking, I haven't done anything wrong. No, but you're an idiot. And I'm an idiot because we're supposed to stay away from the line. Not, not a hint. Don't be foolish. Don't be reckless in your life. Not not a hint in your life. Hmm. Because the closer you get, the more vulnerable you become. I think that's one of the reasons why the same Solomon said in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, he said, don't set foot on the path of the wicked 
or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't travel on it, turn from it, and go on your way. In other words, he said, I said in verse 14 that, you know, you're not supposed to do this. But in case you didn't fully comprehend and understand and you weren't dialed into what I said, let me give you a four-point plan so you understand this. Avoid it, don't travel on it, turn from it, and go on your way. He's pretty clear about this. he's, He's sincere. He's distanced. You know, social distance didn't come about because of COVID-19. You need to distance yourself from evil things in your life. How come we're, we're, we're pretty cool about staying six feet away from the person in front of us in the checkout line, but when it comes to getting close to Cosmo magazine next to it, we don't mind picking it up and flipping through it just a little bit? I'm just going to throw that one out. That wasn't even in my notes. You see what happens when I stray with my notes? I start ticking people off. The problem is we, we don't have this concept that says I need a distance from sin. I need a distance from sickness. Some of you have lost loved ones from this evil, wicked disease, the coronavirus. And I'm really sorry. And I mean not in any way to be insensitive. But listen, that's losing a physical life. What is worse is losing a spiritual life. Losing your soul to the pit of hell because you didn't distance yourself from that which God says to stay away from. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. In case you didn't fully hear, Solomon says, I want you to go on your way. Get out of there. Run like a chicken man. So if you find yourself uh, where you're in the comparison plan or strategy or you found yourself, you're really hurt in your marriage. Listen, if you're vulnerable in the area of pornography, then maybe you need to consider getting rid of your phone or not being able to access internet on your phone. You're like, I couldn't possibly uh, live that way. I don't know, I was like born in the early 70s. I think people, I survived just fine. If, If there's a person that you're working with that you find yourself emotionally connecting with and you know that's not right. Let me tell you, if you don't know that's not right, that's not right. Then here's what you should do tomorrow morning. Go in and ask for a transfer to another department. If that's not available, then quit your job. Find another job. I'm surely going to have to give them two weeks notice, and I'm going to have to look for it. It could could take me a couple months to find. Quit your job. Red flag. Marriage in trouble. Take some real strategic steps to bringing healing to your family lineage. If you go to the gym when they open back up and you find yourself attracted to somebody or distracted because of what's going on in the gym, then start, here's the deal, save your 30 bucks a month and work out at home. Try push-ups maybe, all right? Um, it, if you find yourself looking at hashtags on Instagram or on Facebook, then you just might have to close those accounts out altogether. And I'm not talking about somebody else looking at your phone and managing your life. Man up. Amen. Do it yourself. Take some steps. Decide today. Not a hint. Not a hint. hint. When we we choose to do this and we decide we're going to distance ourselves from anything that could bring an attack into us, into our lives personally, or into our marriage, we're not going to have a hint of anything that could dishonor God. Some of you might be saying, that's kind of crazy. Little excessive, Troy. Listen. Why would I fight a temptation in the future 
if I have the power to eliminate it today? Why am I going to leave the door open that I have the power to lock today? Why would I do that? I'm not going to fight something in the future if I can eliminate it today. If you can eliminate it today, then do it. I said a couple weeks ago, Trinity repeated it last week, you, you don't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. Amen. You don't do that. Let me say it again. Feel it. Own it. Hear it. Accept it. Not a hint. Amen. Not a hint. Not a, not a hint. Whenever, let me be personal, whenever I'm tempted, I thought about this, whenever I'm tempted to compromise, I'm tempted just like you are. Whenever I'm tempted to uh, compromise, uh, maybe to, uh, through distractions or through seduction, whenever I'm, I'm tempted to do that, I, what I try to do is I try to visualize. I try to picture in my mind, fast forward, what it would cost. Hallelujah. What would it cost? First of all, it would hurt the heart of God. One day I will have to stand before God and give an account for every idle word that I made for every action that I did. I wonder if that's why there's not going to be 30 seconds of silence in heaven because we're going to give the account. I don't know. Next, I visualize that it would devastate my best friend. It would devastate my bride, the woman that I've spent my entire, that we raised each other since we were 16. She's given me four amazing daughters and she has sacrificed more than I could ever state publicly or privately. It would devastate her. Next, I, I think about my children who know firsthand that I am not perfect, far from it. But they also know, I hope they know, that I have a heart that seeks after God. Hallelujah. I fast forward and I think about disappointing my staff, my friends, all those that I lead. You. I think about, I would never be able to get your trust again. I wouldn't have the, the eyes of integrity. I'd have the eyes of suspicion looking, looking at me. When you play it forward in your mind and you ask yourself that question, what is this distraction? What is this seduction going to cost me? The choice becomes pretty easy, doesn't it? You see, the devil wants to attack your relationships. He wants to attack your marriages. So we have to be alert. We have to be ready. We have to be prepared. So get a pencil out. Get your phone out because I'm going to give you some homework right now. If you're married, you got homework. If you're single, you got homework. Here's your homework. Don't assume because I say it's homework that I'm done because I still got 10 minutes. All right. But your homework is given to you right now. You're going to get together. You're going to go on a date this week, a date this week. And you're like, oh, that's going to be great. We're going to go have a great... You're going to have a date where you're going to look at each other. I don't care if it's by the river. I don't care if it's in a restaurant. I don't care if it's in your backyard. But you're going to have a date together with all your little munchkins, your little hoodlums put somewhere else. And you're going to, it's just you two staring at each other. And you're going to discuss this question that I'm going to put on the screen for you right now. It's this. In our marriage, where are we currently most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? In our marriage, where are we currently most vulnerable the spiritual attacks. Now, if you're single, let's, then you're going to go have a cup of coffee yourself and sit in the coffee shop, get away from your house so you're not distracted. And I want you to ask yourself this question, where am I most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? 
Where am I most vulnerable? Just, you got it. listen, you need to do this. We're gonna leave it up for a few seconds. You need to do this. The reason you need to do this is because you're only as strong as you are honest. You're only as strong as you are honest. Whatever God blesses, the devil curses. And whatever God loves, the devil hates. Where am I most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? Where are we in our marriage most vulnerable right now to spiritual attacks? Man, it's going to open up conversation. You might have to have a pact, agree together. We're not going to fight about this. We're not going to argue about this. We're not judging each other. We're not nitpicking. We're not looking for confrontation. We're not looking for you're the problem. We're looking for unity. We're trying to be Christ-centered. That's our relationship goal. So that we together can be mission-driven. And the only way we're going to be devil-kicking is if we have these two first. We're trying to kick the devil's butt, kick him out of our marriage, out of our home, out of our family, out of our future. We're trying to bring protection and power. I told you in week number one, we talked about being Christ-centered. And I told you in that one, I challenged you that you need to spend 30 seconds, maybe one minute together, praying together every day. That was your homework assignment. And if you did it, bravo. If you haven't done it, start doing it. If you're single, pray. Use that time every day to pray for the one that God is sending you, that he will orchestrate and ordain your steps, because I hope that person is praying for you as well. But, but pray. Here's the deal. When you get into a spiritual attack in your marriage, a spiritual attack in your life, when you're under the gun and the devil is attacking and he's got you down, he's trying to beat you down, it happens so often in our lives. And you gotta turn the intensity of this 30-second prayer, you gotta turn that dial up, baby. You gotta join hands, you gotta take authority. You're like, how do I pray? Stop it, devil, you can say that if you want to. But, but what you need to say is exactly what God says. This is where the resource of being Christ-centered, of knowing God's word, hiding God's word in your heart will help you be an overcomer. And so you will begin to say God's word out loud. If you don't know, on our website, newlifeca.church, Go to the resources tab, and there is a prayer that you can pray every day. It was also published in one of the books that I wrote, but I'm challenging you. That might be a good place to start, to pray the scriptures every single day, but you're going to want to quote the scriptures, the word of God, and you're going to want to know the word of God, because the Bible says when you use God's word, it has divine power to pull down, to demolish strongholds, roadblocks in your marriage. You know, the only offensive weapon, the only offensive weapon that we have is the sword of the Spirit. It's the only offensive weapon. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We use the Word of God. We slash with the Word of God. We strike with the Word of God. The Word of God is the weapon that we use. It is the power of God. It will help us, give us victory and peace and strength in our life. So when you have the Word of God in your marriage... 
When you know the word of God and you declare the word of God, the sword of the spirit in your marriage, then together you will say, greater is he who is in us than he who is in this old world. And you'll be able to say that in our marriage together, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You'll be able to say in your marriage that we are overcomers together by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony individually and collectively together. You'll be able to say that, listen, we will stand together, we will fight together, and we will not fight against each other. We're on the same page. We're on the same side against the forces of darkness. This is just a sword. This one doesn't work, but this one, baby, works every single time. It's the living, breathing word of almighty God, sharper than any double-edged sword. Hmm. We're Christ-centered. We're mission-driven. We're devil-kicking. And next week, we're going to talk about what it means to be covenant-keeping. I'm challenging you, no matter what, don't miss next week's gathering as we come together to talk about what that means. For some of you, you're married and you're fighting, but your spouse is not fighting. Um, they're not fighting at least with you. They're not as engaged. Let me take just a minute to try to talk to the ladies, to try to talk to the men. First to the ladies. Um, I'd like to say gently, but with great authority to the women that are watching, to the women that are listening, and to the women that are present uh, here today. You, you're probably tempted to criticize. You're probably tempted to be resentful, to be angry, to maybe even gossip and talk poorly about your husband. You might feel justified. You might feel like you've got every right to feel the way you do. But my challenge to you is turn that energy into prayer. Turn that energy into prayer. Truly invoke the power and the presence of God. And then, any time, absolutely any time, you see anything remotely good in your husband, draw that out. Draw that out of him. Rather than tear down, build him up. If there's any part of you that believes in anything in that man, tell him. Tell him, I still believe in you. I still believe in us. And then I want you to watch over time how something comes alive inside of him. And to the men, lead your family to Jesus Christ. You've got, a, you've got this in you. I know that because God said it. He put it inside of you. It's, it's wired in you. You can do it. You, gentlemen, are fighters. You don't give up. So lead them. Fight for them. Bring them to church. Tell them about God. You're the man of God, so serve together. Call a counselor. You say, well, that's just a bunch of weakness, man. Exactly. For in your weakness, that's when you are made strong through Jesus Christ. So fight for it. Let me tell you what I know about you men. 
This is what I, what I know. Someone comes into to my house to hurt my wife. Someone comes into your house to hurt, to hurt your wife. Here's what I'm not gonna do. Keely, I think somebody's in here. Can you do something? I got all kinds of names that I could call somebody that would do that. Um, and they'd be true. But I know that's not applicable to any man that I know. Something inside, something inside of you. You're like, this is what I've been waiting for. I don't care if you're old or young, experienced in fighting or inexperienced in fighting. Here's what I know. You're going to defend your family. You're going to find something. You're going to turn a lamp into a weapon. You're going to become a lamp nunchuck artist is what you're going to become. And you're going to start taking out people because nobody's coming into my house. Everybody know what I'm talking about, fellas? Yes? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're going to fight. You're wired to give your life. But listen to me. God is not asking you to give your life. He's not asking you to die for them. He's asking you to live for them. And there is a big difference. Just live for them. And if you stand together in unity, you choose to be Christ-centered, and together you're going in the same direction, mission-driven. You're identifying warfare in your marriage with your children, in your household, at your job. You're not hiding anything from each other. You're just bringing out of the darkness into the light. You're devil kicking. It's gonna lead you to a place that is your fourth, fourth relationship goal, which is covenant keeping. You're gonna keep the covenant that God, that God wants you to keep. If you do this, if these are your goals, you, you can heal. Some of you are like, you have no idea what I'm going through. You can heal. Amen. You can overcome. Amen. Your marriage is going to be attacked, but don't ever turn on each other. Stand strong. Do not give the devil a foothold. Amen. Not my house. Not my family. Not my kids. Because devil, I'm speaking straight to you right now. You need to know that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. It may be hard. It's going to take work. It's going to take prayer. It's, it's going to take tears. Amen. Probably a lot of repentance. Some of you are young and you're not even married yet. I am prophesying over you. I am speaking future over you. It's going to take forgiveness. But with Jesus Christ, it is possible. Because we're living in a spiritual battle. This is not a battle in the future. Even if you're not married right now, this is a battle in the present. You're like, why am I fighting for a marriage and I'm not even married? I'm like too young. I'm like, I'm like, I don't have anybody as a prospect. Now's the time to fight for that which God sees as already happened. Now's the time to fight for that which is in the present in God's eyes. See, yesterday, today, tomorrow, it's all the same to God. He sees time all at once. He knows what's in your future. Fight for it today. It's happening right now. And you need the power of God's spirit to do battle because we know that what God blesses, the devil attacks, but greater is he who is in you than he, come on, who is in this old world. Hallelujah. 
If you believe that, just stand to your feet right now. If you believe that greater is he who is in you than he who was in this old world, just stand to your feet. Stand. Come on, church. Come on, church. Stand to your feet. I believe that, God. I embrace that, God. I trust you, God. I know that, God. Help me, God. Let's pray together. Father, we need your help. We need your help. We need your help. We ask God that you would empower us with your weapons to do warfare in your way. God, remind us that our spouse is never the enemy. I ask God right now for a fresh touch, fresh oil of the Holy Spirit in our marriages, in our lives, and in our families. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and I mean this, please, nobody looking around. Honor God with this for a moment. At home, you listen to what I'm going to say. And, and nobody look around. If you've been burned in your marriage, if you've been burned in a relationship, or you find yourself really deeply wounded or hurt right now, you find yourself losing hope, you're drowning right now, nobody needs to know. But between you and God, whether you're at home, in your car, or right here in the auditorium, if that's you, I want you to put your hand up and pull it right back down again. But just say, God, that is me. Pull it right back down again. God, I've been losing hope. God, I've been struggling. I've been hurt deeply, God. Lord, I need you today. God, I pray for hurting marriages. God, I ask, Lord, for broken people. I pray for miracles. Lord, we pray for restoration and for healing. And we ask God for forgiveness for forgiveness where we've gone astray. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. And we confess our sins, God. You are faithful and just, and you will forgive us our sins. And you will cleanse us. Oh, God, you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying.